0: Well, back to Mother's Day on Sunday, I grew up with a working mom, a mom who was successful in her field, journalism, and far from suffering from it, I actually followed in her footsteps, as you can tell, if you're sitting there listening to me tonight, or at least back then, I hoped I would. Prioritizing your career, at least some of the time, it turns out, is not a bad thing, and that ambition does not come to the detriment of kids. Joining me now is Lara Bazelon. She's a law professor, a writer, an advocate, and author of Ambitious Like a Mother, Why Prioritizing Your Job is Good for Your Kids. Lara, thank you so much for being here on this Friday night.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I was reading through um just some of seeing watching some interviews with you, reading some stuff. It, you know, I grew up with a mom too who was who was really good at what she did, uh, as did you. Um What was that like? I, I gather it was a real inspiration for you growing up to have a mom who who had a career that matters.
1: You know, it really was, and I imagine that was true for you too, including the fact that you decided to pursue a similar, if not the same, career as your mom. And I don't think I had the IQ points to um, go to medical school or be pre-med, so I couldn't do exactly that. But my mom definitely inspired me with her, with her smarts and her ambition and her dedication to really excelling in
0: her field. She was a doctor. I mean, she's a doctor, of course. I mean, you're a lawyer. That's, that's, not, uh, that's, not, uh, that's not very different, is it?
1: <laughs> well, we, I don't know. In the States, we joke that you go to law school if you're afraid of math, and pre-med, it's like all this calculus and these very complicated equations and chemistry and physics, and it was just a little bit too much for me. And my mom had four children, and actually, none of us became doctors. So it's kind of interesting. I think she was absolutely brilliant and, um, yeah, set a really high, high bar.
0: <laughs> my, uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are both scientists as well. So, I, yeah, I, I was never very good at math, thus journalism. <laughs> exactly the same Exactly. <laughs>
1: yes, that's how you think about law. I mean, it's obviously you're doing a very important thing, me too, but I think we, 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 we are drawn toward what we know we can do competently, right?
0: I ho- yes, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, you looked into this a lot and it was interesting to read through it because it, it, what surprised me sometimes is I grew up in the 70s, as did you. Um, you know, m- Most of the, my friends' moms worked. A lot of them had really good jobs. A lot of them had more successful careers than their fathers did. And yet it feels like even all this time later, we're still talking about this idea of having both or somehow children, uh, children lose out if a mom has a, su- a successful career or dedicates herself to her career to any extent.
1: It's so interesting because when I was growing up, most of the moms that I knew, maybe they worked part-time or they volunteered, but they weren't working full-time jobs like my mom. But I agree with you that even if you hold constant for that and say it's been consistent since the 70s, we're passing this really strange, peculiar judgment on mothers that we don't have fathers. And we're essentially telling them, look, if you pursue success in the workplace and you're full-time, your children are somehow going to miss out. And I looked into the data. It really does not bear that out.
0: Yeah, tell me about that because you back this up. You actually, when, I guess first I was going to ask you about, I, I wanted to, to tell me a bit about the uh, about the inspiration for doing this research.
1: I think, you know, my mom was my primary inspiration. And then the other part of it was that I had struggled myself to model to my law students and to my younger colleagues this idea that you can be ambitious, it's okay to own it, and also that you can be a good mother at the same time. And so I started to think, well, what's the data behind that? And what are other women's stories? Am I really alone in believing this? And so I spent about a year and a half interviewing over 50 women, and then I looked into the data. And, you know, the truth is that the children of mothers who work full-time they do just as well, if not better, than the children of stay-at-home moms. And I don't say that to start a mommy war because I don't believe in saying that one choice is better than another. I say it so that the mothers who work because they have to or they want to or some combination can stop feeling guilty.
0: What did you find? What did you hear? What were some of the the things that you found out that, uh, that either affirmed what you believed or surprised you?
1: One of the most moving interviews I had was with a guy named Joe, whose mom, Elizabeth, had been a international trial lawyer, so had spent most of his childhood traveling extensively for her work, and then had been appointed to the Court of Appeals, which is a very prestigious judgeship in the States. And he told this story about how when she was sworn in at the ceremony, he didn't want to go because he had to miss his varsity soccer practice, and he was really upset. And as he sat in the audience and listened to speaker after speaker talk about the work that his mother had done, and she was really a fierce advocate in particular for women's rights, he found himself tearing up, and that he actually, telling me the story of sitting there, started crying on the phone with me as a grown man, and he said, you know, it really changed my point of view, not just about how my mother was spending her time, but about what it meant to have a meaningful career. And in fact, he is now a lawyer. It was just a really moving interview. And I'm not saying that he's representative of every child I talk to, but by and large, the kids of ambitious mothers would tell me some version of, okay, my mom missed some sports events and some occasions, and she's also the person I turn to. When I'm in a time of need, she's the person I rely on. She's the person I admire the most.
0: And I guess this would apply to mums right across the spectrum. It doesn't matter if you're a journalist or a lawyer or a doctor or, or you own your own business. or It's just this idea of being dedicated to the job, dedicated to what you do to earn a living.
1: I think so. I followed this asthmatician named Diana who's very working class, and she had this job at a nail salon that was pretty exploitative, and she decided to take a risk and start her own business. And her clients from her former job, even though she didn't ask them, they followed her. And she tells the story of the phone just ringing and ringing as they called her to make appointments and her kids watching this happen in real time and being so proud of her that she had cultivated these relationships that she was going out on her own and that it was working. And I think when their kids see you doing things like that, being innovative, being creative, being happy and successful, I think it's very inspiring for them.
0: Where does that, I mean, there was some research that you cite as well, I think uh, in, in that global mail opinion piece that was printed uh, that shows that, that the daughters specifically as well really do take inspiration from, from the work that their moms do?
1: Yes. The longitudinal and meta-analysis tend to show that the girls who are raised by working mothers have, on the average, better outcomes. If you look at employment okay. and if you look at socioeconomic status and sort of overall economic stability, they tend to be... More independent, more financially successful, more stable individuals. And then the sons, interestingly, tend to have more of a bent toward parity at home. So they're more likely to, for example, believe that it's appropriate to split up the domestic labor 50 50
0: I learned to do laundry when my mother dyed all my whites pink be- the, the day before camp because <laughs> she was busy. <laughs> that was the, <laughs> uh, and I learned to iron because, you know, no one else was going to do it. it you're, you're right. It's interesting because there are sort of those, I don't think I ever regretted it, but I would go to my friends' houses who's, you know, who had parents who did more of that stuff and was always amazed that all this stuff was done for you. And <laughs> what I sort of forced myself to learn how to do it, that, which was one of the interesting parts about having, you know, a mom who worked a lot, especially a journalist who worked different hours and so on. Um, when we come back, we'll just take a quick break. When we come back, I was going to ask you a bit more just about the inspiration to sort of continue to say that Mother's Day this year is a time to affirm this because we spoke about this earlier. It, it still strikes me that all this time later that we're still having these conversations about why um, why women still feel guilty about being successful at their jobs and um, you know being good moms as well. We'll be back with that after this. I'm speaking with Lara Bazelon. She's a law professor, writer, advocate, author of "Ambitious Like a Mother: Why Prioritizing Your Job Is Good for Your Kids." We're talking about Mother's Day weekend and how this weekend her hope, at least in an article that she uh, penned for the Globe and Mail, was to raise a glass, uh, to raise a—I think it was a rebellious mimosa—was your exact terms to uh, to to all those out there to who who do feel comfortable both prioritizing a career and being a good mom at the same time. What made you? Think what made you decide that there's still a need for that? Excuse the term, a rallying cry to some extent.
1: I think I felt it because that's what I hear from so many women, whether it's my colleagues or friends or just people that I meet standing in the carpool line or traveling. It just seems like every working mother's story is filled with shame and self recrimination. I hear over and over how. They think they're failing their children or they're failing at work because they're not showing up for one or the other and they're holding themselves to the standard that seems impossible. And so I just thought, well, why not normalize the fact that motherhood is beautiful, but also rather messy and that nobody has it perfect. And also that we're holding ourselves to a standard that we would never hold men to.
0: No, uh, no, certainly not. Uh, It's funny because when you, you know, that was a pressure that I saw in my mom back 40 years ago. And it's, it's, where do you, why do you think the pressure persists? Well, it's interesting. I'm interested to to know your thoughts on why that same pressure persists year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation. (laughs)
1: I think in part it's that society puts the pressure on mothers and I think in part it's internally imposed. So I'll just give you an example. So many of the mothers that I interviewed, they would say, and this is true in my own experience as well. When my child is sick, the school calls me, they don't call the father. I'm the one who makes the orthodontist appointments and the dentist appointments. I'm the one who takes them to music lessons. I'm the one who organizes the play dates. And if you say to them, well, do you think that you're somehow genetically, Programmed to do this better, they would say, absolutely not, because it has nothing to do with gender. And yet, I think a lot of us are raised to feel like this is our job as mothers, and it's not the job of fathers to do these things. And that also, I think a lot of women tell themselves that, well, if I give it to my male partner, it will be done differently and worse, because <laughs> they don't generally step up. And... <laughs> All those things can be true, and yet I think you can demand more parity, and then I think it's on the mothers to say, okay, I'm going to relinquish some control over this. Like, speaking for myself, I feel like I'm constantly taking my own medicine. With my ex-husband, I find myself doing a lot of things that are kind of, you know, either one of us could do, right? Signing the kids up for camp. Uh, filling out waiver forms so they can go on various trips. Why is it me? It doesn't have to be. And yet I think, well, it's going to go faster. It's going to be more efficient. And I think if I just allowed the space to have him pull up the slack, the dynamic would be different. And so part of it is that I just have to relinquish my own idea of how to get it done in the quote unquote correct way.
0: I mean, that's another story of my childhood as well as <laughs> if you waited around for, you know, one parent to do something, it wasn't going to happen. So the other parent would jump in and, and, and do it as well. Uh, what can on this mother's day, children of all ages, whether they be young or older, what do you think mums should hear working professional mums, working mums, mums of all um, you know, of all stripes who do all kinds of stuff. What do you think that their kids should be telling them this mother's day? Uh, to fulfill what you've been asking for?
1: I think what they should hear is, you're doing a fantastic job. Stop feeling guilty. And on this Mother's Day, after we go out and have our brunch, why don't you go and do something for yourself? Go read a novel swinging in a hammock. Go get your nails done. Go have a drink with your girlfriends. That is what I think moms need to hear. Celebrate with your family, celebrate yourself, and then do something fun just for you.
0: Do you see this changing at all? Do you see another generation when you look at your children, for instance, and and do you see them or you're trying to instill in them this idea that you can be all the things that you're describing right now?
1: I do see a shift. It's interesting with the younger mothers that I interviewed for this book. So the women coming up behind me in their late 20s, mid 30s. I see more of a pushback against these ingrained norms, and I see more of an ability to stand up and say, I'm going to advocate for myself. These are the things I want to see. I'm going to push for them, you know, in the workplace and at home. I think maybe in a way that, for example, Gen Xers like me just weren't entirely willing to press for. So I am cautiously optimistic.
0: I did notice that, that generations, and I'm a Gen Xer as well, noticed that generations below me when I was working in different places with different people of different ages, they were certainly pushing for a better work-life balance. And I wonder if that had something to do with it as well, that that, that, in, that encompasses a lot of different things. That means, you know, I'm going to put my foot down at work as well as put my foot down uh, at home about w- how this responsibility is going to be shared and how much work I can do and still do it well.
1: I think you're right, and I also feel like as the Gen Xers in the group, the onus is on us to the extent that we are in a position to hire or promote or advocate for folks to demand better working conditions for them. In the small capacity that I have to hire at the law school, I'm very clear about how much I am willing to pay people, which is much, much higher, for example, than the salary that I was paid at their level, and also my expectations around time off and vacation and prioritizing family. And I I do that because I don't feel like they need to walk on broken glass just because I did. I think once we're in a position to be giving back and setting some kind of standard for ourselves, we can set a more humane one.
0: Well, Lara Bezlon, it it was a fascinating article. It's a fascinating book, and, uh, and it's such a great message. Thank you so much for your time tonight. It was great to be able to talk about my mom ahead of Mother's Day as well. So it's, uh, thank you so much.
1: Yes, and I'll be thinking about your mom on Mother's Day. Thank you so much for sharing part of your evening with me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, and happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.